Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and I'm so excited to have today my friend, Michelle Lynch. Michelle's the founder of Sacred Energy Expression, and she specializes in the healing arts, dreams and nightmares, grief, twin flame transformation, inner child work, clearing and transmuting ancestral patterns, and helps her clients find their purpose in life. And she's also the host of the podcast Twin Flame Transformation, which is a beautiful podcast. So be sure to check that out if you haven't yet. So welcome, Michelle. What a blessing to have you here. Oh, thank you, Kara. It's such a blessing and honor to be here with you. I love listening to your podcast and I'm so happy to spend this time with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be reunited. Uh, Michelle and I met this summer when we were on retreat and um, just had a beautiful connection. And um, so I've really been looking forward to, to um, collaborating in this way, in this co-creation. So mm-hmm. Beautiful. Wonderful. Beautiful. Me too. Yeah. So you began your career as a Broadway and film choreographer, which is so funny to me because I didn't even know that until we were like at the airport about to leave. And I was like, wait, what? You know, you, <laughs> like just, which is so amazing. And, um, but ultimately you followed your calling towards spirituality and inner work and psychology. So can you just tell us a bit about that foundation and the transition? Yes, yes. And, you know, ultimately, when you say all that, I I see how closely they're actually linked, Mm. um, although it may not appear that way on the surface. Um, But for me, I became a dancer because I just loved being in my body and it was an escape from life. And I specifically went into musical theater because I could embody a different character and express a story through my body, which which always was so healing and transformative. And I always wanted to be a choreographer. And so I did the dancer path first, and then I worked as an assistant choreographer and then moved into choreography. And my two favorite things that I loved about choreographing was one, coming up with the the movement for the story, right? Telling a story through dance. And they always say in musical theater, you know, if words aren't enough, then you sing. And if singing is enough, you can't express the song, you dance it out. And that always was so profound for me because the body can express profound knowings that words cannot find sometimes. And even as an audience member watching theater, you know, good choreography, your own body, your mirror neurons reflect it and feel it. And you know the truth, right? Your body only knows the truth. Your body can't lie. Our minds can come up with different stories, but our body only knows the truth. It only knows the present moment. And so I loved finding that movement that would reflect the truth of the story and in the body. And I loved working with actors. I loved working with dancers, absolutely. But I also really loved the challenge of working with actors who didn't have a dance background and getting them dropped in their body and finding that truth and watching that transformation and watching how it was healing for them. And those used to be my favorite things. And so, you know, throughout my time in New York City and working in this field, you know, my favorite parts were at home alone or in the studio with my assistant choreographing and then working with the actors. And um, I was on my own healing path and in therapy and doing my own work. And I 
found this really great therapist who I really started to see big changes and big difference. And I ended up out in California, moving away from New York City, and um, within six months enrolled in a, in a psychology program, a depth psychology program, which I never was on my radar. But I was so fascinated by the healing I was experiencing. I've always been a seeker, I'm a spiritual seeker, and I just was curious for more. And I was getting every book that he would recommend, every psychology book I could find, everything. I just wanted to immerse myself in this knowledge. And I found this program at Pacifica. It's like in Santa Barbara, which is sort of close to me. And it's depth psychology. All of their programs are depth psychology. And most people, and we would joke about this in school, what is depth psychology? And depth psychology is the unconscious. Mm. And so I took the, the uh, program, which is depth psychology and somatic studies, which somatic studies is working with the body. And my first class was depth, what is depth psychology? And the very first one, he would talk about the unconscious and how the unconscious lives and expresses itself through creativity, in the body, through your dreams. And I just, the way he talked about it, I thought, well, I feel like I've been doing that as a choreographer. I'm living in depth psychology land. And I went up to him afterward. I said, am I on, is this right? He said, you got it. That's exactly what it is. And that was just like an aha moment for me where I maybe was like, poo-pooing what I did as a dancer choreographer because it wasn't really spiritual healing and I could actually see how it was how I was living in my unconscious and expressing it and accessing parts of myself that weren't conscious that's beautiful so interesting it makes me think of um you know when we're recording this we kind of just finished the olympics um a week or two ago and uh, my daughter's a gymnast and so we watched a lot of the gymnastics and, you know, there, the floor routine, you know, there's always a little bit of dance in the floor routine. And there was one gymnast in particular who you could just see is, wasn't dropped in, into her body. Like as she was dancing, it was very cerebral. You know, it was like, she just, you could tell like she was so skilled at the tumbling, you know, she could nail the, the, um, what do you call like the whatever you would call the tumbling like the the actual reason that you're doing the, the right, routine right. Her the skills passes and, yeah. yeah the the tumbling passes the this, yes but the actual dancing you could see it was like okay now I move my hips like this and I move and I look in this direction and I move my arms like this but it was not embodied it was like oh my gosh she's so cerebral with it um and the difference. Yes, I love that you picked up on that. That's exactly right. Yeah. Just, and then the, just the difference with like those who really had embodied it and they weren't thinking about, yeah. you know, the technique and getting it, you know, the exact amount of, you know, measurement of, you know, this many inches, this direction or whatever. Yeah. It was just flowing through them. Yes, that's so true. And we used to say, you know, you're either dancing or you're being danced. Right. And when you're being danced is what to me, that feeling is when I'm so dropped into the present moment. And I trust that I know, I know the routine, the combination we would say, and I know I've, I've, you know, rehearsed enough to let go enough to just find that it's that athlete zone, Yeah, find that zone and trust. And there are times when you're in your head and you're distracted by something and it's you know you're not dropped in as you said that's exactly right yeah that's so interesting yeah I um 
I don't know. The other thing that, that you talked about that I loved was watching dance and how as a participant, it fires neurons and it activates things within you. Um, my daughter, who is a gymnast now, spent a little tiny flash of a moment as a dancer. And so she just took some rec hip hop dance, but they, she was part of the recital um, in the spring. And they had this very elite team who also was performing during the recital. And I was moved to tears, which I'm not a hugely like emotionally. No, I'm, I won't often cry at commercials, for example. It's not like that's never happened, but, um, you know, I don't like cry at the drop of a hat. Um, but I, I was watching, um, rehearsals and I was crying at the rehearsals even. Um, it was so moving and these girls were just incredible. It was so moving combining, you know, the sound with the movement. It was like, I don't even really know what's happening here, but it is like touching my soul. And it's not even like for that, <laughs> you know, there, oh, this was not so like powerful. any sort of spiritual, you know, foundation to it. This was very much a commercial kind of, you know, thing, but. But if you think about like first nation or indigenous people, so much of dance was part of their culture and their yes. healing and the drums and the power of that and the expression of that. Yeah. And as a culture, I feel like we've lost that. But I think these new dance shows are bringing sort of back this awareness into people and get, letting them see these different things. And just your experience of being moved to tears is exactly the power of dance. Yeah. The power it has and those mirror neurons that know what that feels like on some level, you, you resonate and your body's vibrating with it and there's things firing and it's, it's healing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love what you've said there about the indigenous cultures. And that was something that I, I had for later. Um, but, you know, I'd love to talk about this because, um, you know, movement can be like a key component in shifting our consciousness. And, and we see this with yoga also, because, you know, the original intent of yoga was that it was mirroring what actually happens spontaneously within the body, that the body can just come into these positions because you don't know why. Like there are, there are people who will just wake up in the night and they're doing like tree pose and they don't even know what tree pose is, you know, but their body is coming into that sacred geometry alignment. Um, but it does also bring into mind indigenous dancing and this like kind of different ways of doing it, but like stomping and that energy kind of rising up from the root and it working with the drum, with the beats, with the, but, and then using tones and how all of this, like the sound and the different kind of guttural sounds or different sounds that, you know, have different frequencies and pitches and how this like awakens stuff inside us. Um, which is in stark contrast to what I thought meditation was. You know what I mean? Because like as a meditator, I am in stillness. You know, most of the time I'm trying to get as still as I can, as still as I can in my body, as still as I can in mind, as quiet as I can have it, you know, so that I can really go in, 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 in. Um, 
And in fact, like the certification that I took to be able to teach meditation, it was, you know, it was very, it, it necessarily needed to be like, this is how you meditate and this is how you teach it. You know, you've got to have some boundaries and parameters, but it was very much like, this is what meditation is. And moving when you're meditating is something different, you know, and it's like, I had to kind of expand beyond that over time to be like, actually, there are a lot of things that are meditation that aren't the same as just sitting in stillness, but you still get you to a different, to a shift in consciousness. Right, to a shift in consciousness and also getting out of that monkey mind. I mean, I do think there's such value in that stillness. Yeah. You know, but so often going back to energy, people have energy that needs to be expressed and worked through right? That needs to be healed, right? Energy, as we know, needs to complete itself. And so it's like moving through that. And, and that's what dance gives you that ability to move all that energy so that afterwards, like even after a great yoga class, then you can come into meditation because you've moved through some of that energy in those stuck places and given it breath and given it flow. Yeah. So it can release. So then your mind can calm down. Yeah. I do think there's such value and, and, you know, dance is a meditation because if, you know, med- what is meditation? It is stillness, but it's also clearing the mind. And so mm-hmm. if you can be in your body fully expressing yourself and your mind is quiet and blank and you're just in the body in the zone, that to me is very meditative and can be very meditative, you know? And what else is coming up is something else you talk about is that our culture is not used to living in the body like we did way back, right? We're not in the fields farming all the time and cooking and you know we're not at we're not living it we're behind our computers we're on our phones and for some people who aren't used to dropping in their body and start doing that sort of real the uh, the beautiful way you describe sort of the indigenous dance with the drumming and the chanting and the building and it can be this ecstatic dance it can it can be really overwhelming and triggering for some people because it could be uh, the energy can be too much too soon Oh, true. And yeah. There is something to said about really mindfully monitoring that and boundaring it and going slow. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know from working with dancers, like say on dream work versus working with someone who doesn't have that experience, it's a completely different experience. A, a trained dancer, like your daughter, who's been in her body and gone to these extremes of pushing the body, can handle high levels of vibration and know how to move it when it comes up. And someone who hasn't, won't be able to recognize that and place it and find it and move with it, it can, it can often overwhelm them. And so it's also very, um, very, uh, you have to be very careful and boundary too, just like you said with meditation, the same thing with dance in a meditative or spiritual way has to be boundaried in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that really comes down to tuning into your body because your body will know how far to go. But until you tune in and you're just going, you're not being mindful mm-hmm. and aware, and that's when it can become triggering. But if you're going slowly and doing the movement and, okay, whoa, I just got, that's getting a little much, then you can slow down and calm down. So it's about being mindful as well with the energy of dance yeah. and boundaries. Yes, I love that. That is so, so important, so imperative. And um, it brought to mind too, like tapping, like EFT, which, mm. which I know is not in either of our real wheelhouses, but I find tapping. And, and of course you're talking about dancing. So 
the mind may go to tap dancing, but what I'm talking about is the yeah. the EFT, but the, you know, where you tap different like acupressure, acupuncture points. Yeah. And as you were talking about that, like getting into the body, I wonder if that's part of the mystery of how that is so effective, you know, where you're really engaging with the body when you're not used to engaging with the body, when you're like floating, because when we're in the mind, when we're, when we're stuck in the intellect or we're stuck in the mind field, we are not pulling all the way into the body. We're actually engaging with the field, with the energetic field that is around the body. And we aren't pulling in. We're not going deeper to where we're actually even noticing that we, you know, that we have a body. We're just kind of you know, scattered. And, and, um, and so I wonder if that's part of it of like, okay, you're actually touching these specific points on the body, but it's like, Hey, remember you've got a body. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dropping you in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know some of the, you know, working with trauma too, you, you tap to, to give your body that feeling of boundaries Mm. and knowing where the limits are. So yeah. someone crosses that, right? That's a boundary violation. So being in your body and knowing the parameters in a, in a, in a deeper way, yeah, right? And so that's a, actually a great example, not my expertise at all, but, but yeah. a great example of tuning in and tapping in because the reality is we are living in this 3D world in our bodies and we're, we're a soul having this experience. So we want to experience the body, you yeah. know? And I say this as someone who, was in my body for so long and then really got out of it a bit in grad school because I was so in my head and I could see the difference. Mm. And it took me a while to realize the value. It wasn't until I really did my field work and really dropped back in. I saw the connection and how important it was. Yeah. So so there's something powerful about that. Yeah. I, I just led a meditation like right before we met and I, that was just naturally and very organically and mysteriously now that I'm looking back on it, I was like, just, you know, bring your awareness inward and just, just come out and feel to the edges of your body. Just feel like, feel the boundary, just take your time and like, just feel where your skin kind of comes to. And then it was like, and then feel like, bring your awareness like outside the body as far as it makes sense to, to where you kind of tune into where, where do you naturally kind of stop and just imagine there's a sphere around you and feel around the border of that sphere. Um, oh my gosh, I got goosebumps as you described all that. How perfect. Yeah. And now here we are talking right. about this and I'm like, huh, I guess there was some part of me that was like, we're going to do this somehow. We're going <laughs> to. <laughs> that is so perfect and so aligned. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. How beautiful that sounds. Amazing. So let's shift. I'm really curious to talk to you about the twin flame work that Mm. you do. So um, this is not something that we've really explored. And I know that some people are very knowledgeable about the twin flame and they kind of take it for granted that that everybody understands this. But I do come across plenty of people who are like, a what? What is a twin flame? And, and I, it was not that long ago that I, that it was a new term for me as well. So let's just start by like, in case that's a new term for people, what is a twin flame? Yes, absolutely. It's such a great question. And again, I didn't know what it was until 
I, I went on this journey. But from my research and my understanding and my lived experience of it, the twin flame is meeting someone who carries the same frequency as you do. And from my experience, it was, you know, we all, if we really go spiritual and, and talk about how we're all one, and then we split apart as souls, if that's the belief, you know, you hold. And, and according to what I know, twin flames were, were one of the, at the very early onset that split apart. Mm. So really the closest to source that you can sort of find. And it's um, someone that carries this energetic blueprint, the same energetic blueprint, the same frequency at their core, at their core, their divine core. Mm. And so what happens, and this was what happened to me, is, is I met someone who um, I had like an activation with. I saw in his eyes this, this knowing, this, I, it was like a spiritual awakening mm. where I saw the future, I saw us, I saw everything. And I just had this knowing and my body, going back to the body, only knowing the truth, my body responded like it was like a kundalini awakening with the, the vibration that was set off in me. It was so huge. And I didn't know what it was. And we were very close, but he was not available for a relationship with me. And that just threw, I didn't even know what to do with this. And so I just researched what's more than a soulmate. What is this? And I came across the term twin flame and everything that I would find and read about described this, mm. that it is a spiritual awakening and that they will trigger anything in you that is not love, that is not unconditional love and that you cannot. And this, I know from experience and working with twin flames and interviewing twin flames and talking with them that they have to reach a certain level of self-mastery and self-love to be able to come together because the energy is so intense and you have to be able to hold that love and you have to be able to not have any sort of codependency in any of those, what, what, what most of the world operates love with because it will trigger the other person because that's not who you really are. You can't meet at that place with all that other stuff there. It will push and pull and trigger in the most extreme ways. And it brought up all my stuff in a deeper way than the therapy and healing work I had been working on. And so what a twin flame journey really is, is a journey back to self, back to source, back to divine love and it's self-love, which is a spiritual journey. And I think those of us who have gone through this is just our way our souls designed our spiritual awakening to happen through another person. Hmm. And so, you know, we can get caught up in the title of it. And I certainly have, and it, but it resonates with me on a, on a very deep level. And, but it really is. And this is what I, when I work with people, it's about coming back to self-love. And that's been one of my biggest things I had to come back to, you know, I had this intense love for this other person, and there was a day that I was like, well, what if I held that love for myself? And I realized I didn't have that for myself. And as soon as I did this, the relief and the pain went away. And that was my path to a deeper, you know, part two of my healing was this twin flame journey. Wow. So to thank you for sharing that and especially your own, your own experience with it, because I know it's, that's been a painful part to it. You know, I think a lot of times we, we have this impression or there the, the, a lot of people have the impression that like your twin flame is like this 
you complete me, you know, and it really is like, oh, this other person that really defines who I am. And they really, it really feels like this other half that now I'm whole because of this other person. And so um, I love that reinforcement of like, actually, uh, I mean, would you say that it's accurate that like, you can't really even truly express as a twin flame until you've done that completion work within you. I do. I would say that. And, and, um, there are a lot of, uh, things that I've learned about how, because we're in this universe of duality, when the twin flame split split, one carries a positive and one carries a negative energy. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of spiritual talk in the world right now about divine feminine, divine masculine, and the divine masculine is that positive charge and the divine feminine is that negative charge. And the way, if you look at it like a battery, the positive flows to the negative. That's the flow of the energy of the universe. And what happens is it's, and this is, I, I can't say this is absolute, but from what I know, it was the majority are, of the negative energy is the divine feminine, wakes up to this first, tends to go after the divine masculine. And that's the wrong flow of energy. And it's about, the wounding there of being in a wounded masculine going after this, as opposed to when they're in their divine feminine. I know this is something I've, you know, work on all the time. The divine feminine is about trusting and grounded on the earth and intuition and going with the flow. And when you're in that place, you trust that you trust the divine and you trust that if this person's meant to be in your life, they'll be in your life, but it's about you and your path and a higher calling. And like a yin yang circle, you know, when you find that balance in yourself and you find that divine feminine balance, your divine masculine balances out Mm -hmm. and then you find alignment. And then the energy can, then you're in that alignment of that soul that you naturally are and that perfect vibrational match will can't help but go towards you. Mm. So it really is these spiritual concepts yeah. sort of under the umbrella of people who have had their awakening through this. And it's so deep that it causes them to keep pursuing the spiritual path because of this pull is so strong mm. that you have no choice but to keep healing. You yeah. have no choice. That's incredible. And it's so important because when we are viewing anything external as completing us or as, you know, this like, oh, now I can see how I can be whole, you know, or, you know, it it really can get in the way because really we want to align with source and we want to be able to step into our true power and step into the wholeness that we are as that we carry as the spirits that we are as the souls that we are and there are a lot of things that can come in and distract us and that we can that we can bring our awareness to that kind of can cut that off where it's like oh okay I'm going to focus on this and it's going to take me to source you know, and, and so the liberation that you have in, in that, okay, the healing that I have to go through, I have to, I have to recognize, I have to 
fill myself with the truth of who I really am, who I am in this, you know, this divinely perfect being that I am, that in order to realize that there's healing, there is truth that has to be realized and faced. And there are shadows that have to be looked at and and that have to rise to the surface and we have to come into acceptance and there's judgments to come to overcome and there's work there is work to be done and so if we're looking to someone else it, whether it's a twin flame or in you know there are other again other things that can be those things that are kind of like oh this will do it for me This is going to do the work for me so that I don't have to do that work. You know, I'll feel wholeness, you know, in this other way. It's like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe you do have to do that work. And that's, and once you say like, that's everyone's spiritual journey. Yes. Right. It's, it's the same thing. It's coming back to yourself and self-love and aligning with source and, and any, especially with the twin flame journey. And, and I'm, I think there are a lot of relationships too, but yeah. with the twin flames, most clients that I work with and myself, we didn't come from functioning households. And so our definition of what love is was a little skewed and it's relearning what love is in a relationship, you know, yeah. getting rid of codependency, really healing that. Any attachments, any control, any need, you know, that you're going to complete me, any of that will not work. Mm-hmm. You know, the twin flames that I know that have come together in union had to be in separation for a long time. That's a big part of it to find their path. And then when they did, then they came together. And that's like almost across the board when you, when you, when you talk to twin flames who are in union that's and how, so and how it's still about their alignment. It's not about the other person. Yeah. You know, and there really is, at least here in the West, I don't, I can't speak for, you know, Eastern cultures, maybe they've nailed this down better, but codependency and, and union, really, it's so hard to master that because we value as a, I would say, you know, generally speaking, you know, a lot of people are looking for somebody to need them especially women, you know, they want to be needed and they want to be shown that they are needed and they are valued and they want that validation and that confirmation. And that is shown as love. Um, and, that is you know, so well said. So it, it's really interesting to be like, actually, if you're still there where you need that person to need you, and if they can't show you that they need you, they aren't loving you, it's like that you still have a ways to go because that's codependency. You know, it's like you've got to find that value within yourself. No matter what the external is doing, even if that external is this reflection of you for, that you, you know, or that you're seeing as a reflection of you in your partner, it's so it, it's so advanced. Because I think it's hard to understand in a lot of ways in typical society, like mainstream society. I think that's right. I think that's right. And and what I have, you know, come to um, learn and experience is that this is part of my purpose is to redefine love and to ha- and to cultivate a relationship that's built in a different way than I was 
taught. And, you know, I love how you said so perfectly, it's in our society, it's in our culture, it's in our, it's around us. It's how, and so that vibration is all also active too. And it's find it's finding your way around that and what it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. and redefining it so that I'm not carrying down those genetic patterns from my family for another generation. I'm breaking it and I'm creating a new template for love. Yeah. You know, and I think that is the what we're heading into, right? In this age of Aquarius is this, it is self-mastery and that's also in relationships too, so that it's not needing. I mean, there is an agreement, right? And there is such beautiful co-creation that happens with relationship. And, but when you're dependent and some people, I have friends who are in relationships who are love the feeling of being dependent on their partner. Mm. That makes them feel safe. And that's their agreement. And that's absolutely fine and perfect for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just know for me, that's not where my uh, soul's template is, you know, I I definitely feel, feel I am called to work on it in a different way and clear anything that isn't that. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so beautiful. I mean, there's so much growth and opportunity here with, with, in our relationships to help us, you know, to help us keep advancing on the, on our path one, one step at a time. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So, um, I had mentioned in the introduction that you're the founder of the sacred energy expression healing technique. So can you, can you talk about this? What is the sacred energy expression technique? Yes, perfect. Um, yes, it is uh, a technique that I developed based on working with dreams and combining my years of choreography and dance, my <laughs> the spirituality that I've journey I've been on with the twin flame journey, and the expression of dropping in the body like we talked about earlier. And so when I have a session with someone, um, you know, we may talk a bit to find out where they are. But unlike traditional talk therapy, we'll go deeper into the body and go deeper into the unconscious. Because as you know, the unconscious is where our stuff really is. And that is really what controls our lives that we're not even aware of so often. And so sacred energy expression is dropping into the alignment of your highest self, your sacredness, your alignment with source, your spiritual guidance team, whatever that looks like for you, your heart. And dropping in, and in a way, it's like a guided meditation. And like, for example, if we were working together and we dropped into your heart and, you, and I said, what do you see? And you said, oh, it's yellow and I see a doorway. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go through the doorway? I do. And you go through the doorway and it opens to a field. And, you know, this can go on and on and on. And all these, it's like a waking dream in a way. All these insights in your unconscious, in your body will take you through and guide you and there may be a healing that needs to happen, you know, and maybe like, I am having this pain in my stomach now. Well, let's go there. What's there? Oh, I'm having a memory of five years old. You know, well, let's, you know, let's send it some love and let's heal it. And then that energy will start to move through once we get to that healing level. And that's where the expression comes in. And it can look like if I'm working with a dancer, it can look like them up moving and just letting that energy move through them and transmuting it. And if we're on Zoom, it can just look like breathing. Sometimes they'll want to move or sometimes they'll want to turn off the video and pound the pillow and scream into the pillow. And whatever feels called to express itself will give it expression. And it's just energy that needs to be expressed and healed and moved through. 
And so that's where the term sacred energy expression comes from on how I do work with people. Oh, wow. So how do you typically, how many sessions do you typically do? You mean with a person? Yeah. Is it like a a one, you know, kind of one time thing or is it like, oh, you do this every week for a while or? That's such a good question. I have someone who comes once every two months. Mm -hmm. That's enough for him. I have a couple of clients who come weekly Mm -hmm. and because there's so much there, we can go really slowly. And so it is like more on a therapy schedule, but with the healing Mm-hmm. And with them able to process it really in their body. And those are my favorite because we can, I can really get to know them and we can really get to know, they can get to know their body on such a different layout and get to know all the parts of their unconscious and what's there and what comes up in layers and to watch that come up and work through and the, the, the awareness and profound healing that takes place so much quicker mm-hmm. because it's being moved and just there and what happens in their life, how that translates out into their life. And then I have some people who, come it's a Mm one-off and they get what they need some come every other way it's it really varies on the person okay and you use dreams as well right yes one and then my other favorite topic I I love working with dreams it was my field work in grad school and I didn't know how I was going to I just knew I took a dream class and I just knew I'm like this is it this is it I know I have to work with dreams and I didn't know how I was going to do my field work and I kept what thinking I went to work with people who were dying and look at their dream. That's really where oh, I was wow. being drawn to. I just thought they must have profound dreams because they're transitioning to the other side. What does that look like? And then I realized in sort of meditating and doing my own stuff that that was too triggering for me. I wasn't ready for that. And I had a dream of this. I was trying to get home in a car and I had a little boy in the passenger seat with me. And I was trying, and there was a roadblock to get to my house. And I kept going all these different ways. And no matter what, I kept hitting this roadblock. And when I'd hit this roadblock, this boy would jump out of the car and stop me. Huh. And so I couldn't figure out this dream. And so just like I work on a musical, I dropped into the body of the young boy. And I thought, okay, what, what would you do if you, like, what would you want me to know? How would you express yourself? What are you trying to tell me? And I dropped into him, like I would choreograph a musical, dropping into the character to find their movement. And I knew exactly, I knew everything. I dropped in and he was young dancer boy. He was that young masculine part of myself that I was ignoring and he was saying stop I'm not letting you come home until you bring me with you oh and like I just I got everything I needed to know from just dropping in my body my body communicated to me in a way that even as I'm describing it words can't do justice it was a knowing and I thought that's what my field work will be using the movement and body working with dreams wow and so through this teacher, I found this great um, dream therapist, Robbie Bosnack, who has his own um, um, way of working with dreams that he developed called embodied imagination. And he's a Jungian therapist. And uh, he, walking into his, his room was like, I felt like I was entering a spaceship. <laughs> like I was really going to transport it to another world. Wow. He held this incredible space. And he really taught me about how to drop into the dreams in a really sacred, mindful, psychological way. And then I told him about, and he loves dancers and, and, and knows it and understands it, but just never had that skill. And so we had a great sort of symbiotic relationship. And I told him what I wanted to do. And he was in such support. And so I worked with dancers. And 
And the most transformative thing I found was working with dancers and their nightmares. Watching them transform, Kara taught me everything. They started in these nightmares and they would move them and express all parts of them, right? So they were everyone in the nightmare, just like in life. Everyone was mirroring a part of them. They would, they would, and, and Robbie taught me the alchemy of this, but he, they would drop into each person in the nightmare, like doing a musical embody this person, then this person, then this person. And then we're going to alchemize them together into a dance. And when they would alchemize them, watching it was like watching the most amazing choreography I've ever seen, what would come out of their body, express themselves. And every time, every time they'd, come down, the movement would change, it would soften, they'd come down and they would say, it's about love, every time. Really? They had to transmute these energies, these, what, what came to them as darker energies or nightmarish energies, put them through their body and move it and come back to love. And I had a girl who had a recurring nightmare since she was younger and she did this and she's never had the recurring nightmare again. And this has happened when I've worked nightmares and we, they're able to get to this place of love that nightmare never comes back. That's fascinating because, well, first of all, the courage to be able to embody every character in a nightmare. Like you don't want, I, I, I think back to nightmares that I've had and I would be a little bit, I'd have to find my strength to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to really see this character from the inside and go into that space where I desire to behave this way, you know? I'm so glad you brought that up because that does happen. And the first thing is resistance to it. And I will automatically say, you don't have to. And I won't do this with people. I won't do this with non-dancers and we're not in a studio. I mean, we'll do it differently, but Mm -hmm. to really embody at this level, there has to be a certain level of knowing, you know, to go back into, this is a character. Think this is a character in a play Mm -hmm. you're, you're embodying. Right, so that you can hold that detachment, and you can yes. get, you can uncouple from it, and watch your consciousness can watch it differently, and that's very healthy to do and safe to do. Yeah, it's a safe way to go ahead and transmute this intense energy. But I remember this one girl, especially, said, "I really don't want to embody this," and I said, Let, we, "We don't want to do this." She said, "But I really don't want to have this nightmare again." Yeah, and I said, "Let's go slow," and she would just step into it. And she'd say, "Oh, the energy is so much. It's so much," and she would. We just went so slowly and we had this, you know, blanket of time. So we weren't on a clock and it was amazing to witness and watch. It was absolutely what it, it, it like was such a teaching for me of what mirroring really is out in the world, how they work in our dreams. Now, not all dreams are like this, but the ones that are there working with our unconscious are dreams where we are every character. And we don't want to see that we're that. Yeah awful person but but we have those innocent until we can embody it and feel what it feels like and feel how it's just energy that wants to be moved that we judge it or label it as dark but it's intense and we take that when we're able to detach from it and move it from a detached place it can just be energy and expression and it becomes sacred and it becomes so powerful and healing and no and then you it, it helped me I go this I understood life like it was such a huge awakening for me to have that experience as a witness and to do it for myself. And I would drop in my dreams. And I sometimes I had a dream the other day, just like such a short one. I was swimming backwards and I didn't know what it was. And I was in my mind and writing and I just dropped into it, swing backwards. And I got it immediately. I'm, oh, I'm backing away from my old life, my old emotions. Water is the emotion. Water represents, you know, so much. And just by my body 
you know, our bodies are asleep. Our bodies are with us as we're having the nightmare or dream. The heart is still beating. The blood is still flowing. So they really are witnessing this. Our conscious mind yeah. is shut off, but our body, our unconscious in our body is still present. We're unconsciously keeping ourselves alive. It's keeping us alive without us consciously having to do it. And it's a witness to the dream. So the dream is in our body where we want to find it. And so to get to that, you actually went through the motions of like backing, you know, doing a backstroke. Yeah, but I dropped in first, mm -hmm. you know, and I dropped into how, and this is what Robbie taught me so beautifully, how, how that, how I was breathing as I was, what was that, what was that energy of that Mm -hmm. swimmer, right? What was that energy? And then I go into, once I go to the breathing of that person in the dream, me in that dream, I see that it was calm and peaceful. Okay, so that tells me a lot. Yeah. And then as soon as I even just start the motion, I feel, oh, that, that tells me I'm backing away. It's just the feeling taught yeah. me. As I reach my arm back, I'm backing away from something that's no longer for me. Oh, wow. And then, like you said, that peaceful, calm feeling is that confirmation. Like, is this the right thing to do? Yeah, because if I had dropped in and my heart was beating and I was panicked and I was swimming fast, that would have told me a different story. Yeah. But without dropping in, my mind could go, so many different places. Right. That's so fascinating. What a what a blessing to be able oh, to Oh, it's tap an incredible. It's incredible. And to share it with Robbie and he'd be like, You got it. You got it. Mm. This is where I can't take it. Yeah. You know, without the dancers. But yet there's I have so many non-dancers who want to do this work. And so how do you do this work? Right. And it's like what you described in your meditation beforehand. It's actually really similar to that. It's dropping in. Yeah. Feeling the skin, feeling in the dream, tuning into that energy in the dream, just like you would a meditation, yeah. a guided imaginal meditation. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to that. Right. So you actually just started to answer my next question, which was, do you have any tips for people? So I'm thinking of two different types of people, you know, people who yeah. are not embodying. And so they're, they're really not coming into the body. Do you have any tips of how people can do that? You kind of started to go into that, but. Yes. I think, I think a tip that is really um, important to share is people who have nightmares, you wake up and you feel like it really happened. You have this charge in your body and, you know, shaking it out, literally Mm -hmm. shaking it out. You know, Peter Levine does great studies on this waking the tiger and and an unimagined voice is a great books about, about, the trauma in a body and what happens in the nightmares, you're bringing up that trauma energy, that really heightened, scary energy. And the first thing I do it is if I have a nightmare, I shake it out. I have to move, I have to transmute it. And, you know, he does these studies with animals. I don't know if you're familiar with this about when animals go through trauma, they shake afterward. Yeah. Right. And for those listeners who don't know, it's really a great and, they, and then they don't remember what has happened. They're able to move on. Yeah. And so a great tip, even for just a nightmare, is to shake it out. Then the charge, that energy is not going to be leading your uh, way of finding out what it wants you to know. Mm. You're going to be able to uncouple from that energy. And, and, and that's often insights can happen so quickly that way. Wow. Uh, that's what that is, you know. That's beautiful. And I, the other thing is writing it because that is still somatic. Mm-hmm. coming through your hand, writing the dream out, seeing and looking at the words that you choose often are insights into your dream. Yes. Right. I Drawing it that. is another yeah. way. And then the third one is 
dropping into your body and feeling where does a nightmare, where does a dream, even if it's a simple dream, where does it live in your body? Is it in my heart? Is it in my lungs? Is it in my gut? You know, Mm -hmm. is it in my back? What's behind me? Is it that's past? Where does it live in the body? Mm -hmm. So without dancing it, those are great ways that people without that sort of background can start to work with a dream. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. And I guess you have answered how, how dancers can do that by taking and I, and reinforcing as well, again, you know, that you're, you're, you're taking on the character as a character rather than like fully embodying like, oh, I am this, you know, demon. Thank you again for uh, reiterating that because that is so important because truly these are just parts of us, right? Yeah that we are embodying and we're playing out because our true aligned higher self and soul isn't part of those 3D characters we're playing. And so to be able to look at it as a part or an actor is a really great way to keep your consciousness apart and not get consumed by it and not think you are that. Yeah. It's just a part of you that you are looking at lens through like an actor, like a character. Yeah, beautiful. So tying that all together, that's why it, that my history of, of theater has really helped inform this work. Right. That's amazing. So how can people connect with you and learn more about what you have to offer? Oh, um, they can visit my website, which is michellelynchhealing.com, Michelle with one L. Um, the podcast, Twin Flame Transformation. I do have a link to my website. I usually put on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some articles on Medium. I write a lot. It's my way of processing. Okay. Um, I write about Twin Flames a lot. I write about um, Divine Feminine and Masculine. I just write about my experiences and the insights I have about dreams. And so oh, I think those are the best ways. Perfect. Well, if you want to um, supply me with those links, I'll be happy to put them in the show notes so that listeners can go in there and, and uh, learn more. And, and you do private sessions and all over because of zoom, I presume you can have people from all over. And, you know, when the pandemic started, I started doing group dream sessions online and those were so people started having really, I don't know if you remember or had any, but people started having huge dreams and nightmares when the pandemic started. Mm. You know, that fear that was in the collective triggered anything that was in people's unconscious and it was coming up through their dreams. And these dream groups, I, you know, I'll do another one in January, like Mm. an extensive weekend, but through them to be able to witness other people's dreams too is so healing. Yeah. And you see how these characters are the same energy, but playing out in different characters. Yeah. Well, without going into a lot of detail, you and I just had that this weekend where <laughs> like somebody that you don't even know came through unexpectedly with me who had a yeah. dream that didn't make sense to her, but she wanted to tell me because I was in it. And then I was like, I know exactly why you felt impelled, compelled to um, tell me that dream, but it was actually for you. <laughs> I mean, isn't that amazing? It's it amazing. Is. But our unconscious, because through the unconscious, we connect, we connect to the collective unconscious where we share. Yes. And that's the thing when I'd have these dream groups, their collective unconsciousness would share this dream space and their dreams all felt connected. They all could connect to each other. Yes. And as a witness, that was profound. Yeah. I, I'm actually running a dream course too, while we, as we're wrapping up this week, but, um, 
and we're finding the same thing. It is fascinating. People are having dreams that then relate to what other people are having in reality in the waking time, and they don't even know it, but they're submitting them to me and, and my co-creator. Um, we're, and so we're reading through stuff, and I'm like, wait, that just happened for real for Patty, but Emily dreamt it like before it happened to her, and they don't even know. Like She doesn't know yeah. about the dream, and Emily doesn't know that it happened in real life. I'm like, this is fascinating. I had no idea, Kara, that you worked with dreams. Do you have time to share a little bit, or is that for another time? Well, I mean, we're just, we haven't done, we've just done this one course, and so it's been this seven-week course, and it's with Michael Massey, who is often on the show, and I know that you're familiar with Michael, too. And um, he has actually built this pyramid that he built years ago. So it's, uh, and it's got, like, these amazing capstones that have, like crystalline technology in them. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's like a tabletop pyramid, but, um, and everybody has these pendants that, that, um, we've made and then charged with the pyramid and, you know, pyramid technology has like, they, it creates this, I'm going to use probably the wrong words, but like a coherent harmonic, coherent field. Um, and, so the crystals, are, the pendants are charged in this, all charged together in this coherent field. And then everybody gets that and wears them or uses them anyway in meditation or however they feel called to. And then we have like weekly gatherings, sometimes twice weekly where um, Michael with his shamanic background kind of just talks about the different, you know, the the different layers of the consciousness and how it all interacts and what what the grid is, you know, and how the the grid plays into our dreams and the different grids. We have like personal grids, and we have planetary grids, and we have solar grids and galactic, you know, and and so on and on and on and on and symbolism and and then people submit their dreams and we are all kind of seeing different symbols that keep emerging for different people or similar things that keep coming up or in a cross where it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like there's a case of um, somebody who used to have a recurring dream as a child where they would hide behind these trash cans when they were being chased by by this entity or whatever. And then somebody else submitted a dream where she had dreamt that her daughter was a toddler and she found her hiding behind these trash cans and oh my god I mean just things like that that are so specific yeah. and fascinating that yeah that it's happening across the group and um I that don't know. sounds wild and really fascinating to work with the energies and the grids on a whole nother yeah. level yeah amazing yeah, so it's because our dreams, they do, they're helpful for healing, but they also, they give us those insights into, to help us like unpack what's happening within. And and for some people, it's really just about like, I don't dream. So how can I start opening that up so that I can even remember what's going on? Because we are all dreaming, but we don't, uh, you know, it's, it's not unusual to not be able to remember your dreams yeah. all the time. So yeah. That's a practice, you know? Yes. And like you said with the writing, that helps a lot. I imagine also that acting out of it helps to keep that um, 
the flow going so that you can you can remember it better as well, just engaging. I with think your it dream does. I way. think it does. And it tells your brain that you want to remember it, right? And yeah. I also find intention setting mm-hmm. before you go to sleep. I don't know if you guys work with that too, but that's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And intention setting and, and asking. You know, I I will every time that I'm about to go to sleep for the night, I I, I pray and I I ask every night, please, you know, speak to me in my dreams and help me remember. You know, because I'm like, Beautiful. I'm like, I know that, you know, you may, you may speak to me, but I am likely to forget. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful prayer. Help me remember. Yeah. And it, oh, I love that. it does help for sure. So, and it goes, you know, what you, where you are intending, putting your atten- intention, the universe will come up behind you and yeah. support that. So, yeah, well said. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. What a blessing to connect with you in this way. You have such insight and wisdom and and such a beautiful, beautiful heart. So I can't mm. recommend enough that people look you up and and I think you have a lot to offer people in, in all these myriad ways that you are able to connect people with the healing that needs to happen within them um, for their progression. So, so thank oh, you for your that light. Was so be- <laughs> thank you so much. That was so beautiful. This is such a treat to talk with you about all this and your understanding and your passion and your and your beautiful heart being reflected back to me. So, oh, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, so much fun. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. Be sure you check out her podcast, Twin Flame Transformation. And as I mentioned, I'll, I'll have all of her information in the show notes so you can take a look at how to work with her, with your dreams and um, embodiment and all that she has to offer. She is a really, really beautiful, beautiful soul. So, um has so much to offer and thank you for listening and be sure you pass this along you can rate review subscribe so you don't miss any of these uh, beautiful episodes I really appreciate your support and I look forward to the next meditation conversation